Hi, everybody. Welcome to East to West Weight Loss Surgery, the podcast. I'm April, and I am the West. And I'm Jason, and I'm the East. We are here to support this community with humor, humility, and honesty. Uh, today is our second episode of season two, and Becca is here with us. Hi, Becca. Hi. So we're super excited that she has joined us uh, again. A l- very quick backstory. Uh, Becca connected with Jason and I a couple months ago, maybe, and we've just kind of developed a really nice friendship. Uh, but Becca lovingly refers to Jason and I as her VSG mom and dad. Uh, so we take our role very seriously and we have very much enjoyed parenting Becca through her uh, vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Uh, so we invited her back on the podcast today because she is fresh out of surgery. How many days out are you, Becca? Um, I'm just shy of two weeks. So she's fresh out of weight loss surgery. We're super excited. And she's like live, looks beautiful. Things are going really, really well. Uh, But, you know, Jason and I were, I'm a year and a half. Jason's, I think about it. How far, how how far are you, Jason? I'm I'm closing in on eight months. I'll be eight months on the 11th of November. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So Jason and I can recall our pre-op experience, but Becca is just so fresh out of it. And we thought it would be really nice to kind of get all three of our perspectives because we are all in very different places. Uh, so we're, we're super excited to deep dive in today to, to all of this, all, everything post-op basically. Uh, So, but before we dive into the episode, Jason and I are super excited because we do have something that we are excited to roll out. Uh, If you guys are watching this podcast on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen. And if you're just listening, then I'll try to be very descriptive in what I talk about. Uh, But drum roll, please, you guys, we have launched our website. We are super excited about it. Uh, it's been in the works for a while, but uh, Jason and I just felt we needed a, a new and a different type of platform to help serve this community. Uh, I've been blogging for a couple of years now. I very much enjoyed it. I know that there's a lot of people that maybe don't necessarily enjoy listening to a podcast, but they enjoy watching it, which is why we also record in Zoom. So we have a vlog. Uh, and then other people don't enjoy those platforms. They enjoy uh, reading about our, our experiences. Uh, so we have launched the East to West Weight Loss Surgery website. We're very, very excited about it. It's going to be kind of like our central repository for all things bariatric. Uh, so I definitely um, encourage you guys go to the website. It's just www.east2westwls.com. And as you can see, it's very bright. It's very colorful. Uh, We have some content that that has popped up on it. uh, And we're we're just excited to share our experiences with with everybody in a little bit of a different platform. So this website will continue to grow. We will continue to add to it. Uh, But our goal was really to kind of create this like centralized one-stop shop for all things weight loss surgery related. So it is for everybody, no matter where you are at in the process and no matter what type of procedure you've had, uh, you're going to find some really great information here already. So please do check it out. I know Becca, you've checked it out. What are your thoughts so far on the website? Uh, first, we can't see it. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Of course you can't. That's when you guys have to be like, yo, April, you are oh, chit chat about oh, Your desktop was awesome, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I think I think it's really great like it, it just hits every spot of you guys like what you guys do what you guys post like what you're doing in general like um from the vlogs to the podcasts to getting it out there in like every aspect Awesome. That's really good. Well, and, and what I think what was important to me is that I know Jason is new to like blogging. Like I said, I've been doing it for a while. I always just find that I, if I can write, just like if I can do the podcast, I, I, I really work through a lot of stuff. So it really helps if I just sit down and get my thoughts out kind of on paper, so to speak. It's really cathartic. So I've been doing it for a couple of years. I've absolutely enjoyed it. And I'm blown away at the number of people who read my blog. You know, it's like tens of thousands of people. Uh, and I never in a million years would have thought that. So I know that there are just some people that like this modality of learning. So I'm really excited to do that. Um, and on, on the website too, when you guys scroll down to kind of the blog part of it, uh, there's there's tabs there. So it's going to give an introduction to just what East to West is. And then it has um, things specific to my story. There's things specific to Jason's story. Uh, we have product recommendations. We're going to be doing product reviews. You know, we're thinking about doing the virtual meetups again, possibly book groups, right? So there's all these things that we're thinking about doing and, and our website is going to serve as kind of like that singular place to, to come and, and be and a place for us to grow community as well. So if you are interested in the website, please do check it out. You can also subscribe to the website. So if you kind of scroll down to the middle, there's a subscribe form. You enter in your email. And basically what that means is that anytime anything gets published to the website, you're going to be the very first one to know. So if you are interested, definitely uh, subscribe to it. And then, yeah, we'll just be posting stuff there uh, often. We're excited about it. Yeah, I'm very, yeah. I'm like... Definitely excited. Definitely love the way it looks. You did a fantastic job uh, with the majority, you know, building it like you did. Um, and that's, like you said, just another way for us to get uh, help further the experience for those that aren't comfortable doing Instagram or podcasts or, you know, anything else. Just another way to get the word out and uh, anything that we can do to help push further our agenda to help the, the community that we are in is, is just all the better. Yep. Awesome. I agree. All right. Perfect. Okay. Y'all ready to dive in? Becca, you ready. ready? Yep. All right. So well, we already said a little bit of the background to this episode, but I just remember from my own personal post-op experience, uh, I did a ton of learning up to surgery about like what life would be like afterwards. And I bought, you know, all the shakes and I, you know, I had all the vitamins and I was like ready to go for life after surgery but I very much was lacking what it, the knowledge of what it would actually be like. I was not prepared for what my life was going to be like the moment I woke up from surgery. And, you know, in our discussions earlier, for me, that first month, it was very, it was very dark. It was very gloomy. I was not prepared for that whatsoever. And that was very different for me because that's not just my type of personality. I know, Jason, your experience was even a little bit different from mine. You felt like you were good to go. You know, it, it was pretty simple. It was a different experience. Yeah, much, much different from my side. I jumped up like ready to tackle the world because I knew that in order to leave by the time the surgeon made his rounds again that next morning, because I was first up, I came in at 530 in the morning, was in surgery by 730 back in the room. And I knew that I had to make so many laps before I could go home. And I knew I had to drink so much water before I got home, but got to go home. Mm -hmm. And my goal from that point was to 
be released the first time he came around and said something and saw me, I wanted him to, to dismiss me then and not yet. And that is exactly the grind I woke up on and then quickly fell back to sleep a few more times before I could get all my water in, which was hilarious to me because I was so drowsy. I'd be sitting there trying to sip my little one ounce of water and they'd come back and be like, how's your water going? I'd be like, well, it'd be gone if I wasn't asleep. So I kept having to blow through them, but luckily I had everything done and ready to go and had far less problems than a lot of the people that I, you know, that were listening to, even talking to you and Becca both. Yeah, yeah my, my, my situation was quite a bit different. Yeah. So really what I, our hope or our goal for this uh, podcast today is we, we want to talk about, okay, what was life right at, what was life like right after surgery? What, what happened and you were pre- prepared for what happened and you were not prepared for, and then really just kind of your general overall experience. So, you know, we, we really just want to dive into kind of like your, your physical state when we want to dive into your emotional state, because we all know, I think, I am going to just take a stab in the dark here, but I think every single person who's had weight loss surgery about maybe a week, five, six, seven days after surgery, you really start questioning all of your life decisions, right? You're like, what the hell did I do? Why did I do this? This was so stupid. I could have done it on my own. Blah, blah. You're you just, I, well, I went down this really, really bad, negative, dark path. And I mean, obviously all three of us are here. We're happy, healthy, smiling. We don't regret our decision at all. Right. So it, it was a, a moment of darkness and then it opened, blossomed into this lifetime of light. So, right, it's, it's bad for a little bit. It can be bad for a little bit, but then it very quickly goes out of that area in, into an amazing life. So I'm really excited to, to dive into this today. Well, and we talk about a lot about the bariatric Bible and what they give you, you know, post-op for what it's going to be like or pre-op that what it's going to be post-op and the things you've got to do to get you ready for surgery. And then if you really notice inside of that, you, all your post like your pre-op is, is, is kind of driven towards this narrow hallway. Like this is all that you can do in this narrow hallway before you have surgery. And then if you realize post-op, it just says, eat this for this period of time. Eat this for this period of time. Eat this for this period of time. If you feel uncomfortable, call the doctor. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What kind of uncomfortable? Like, what's the level of uncomfortable, you know, of discomfort I need to feel before I call somebody? Because you got people calling people and going, well, my stomach's bubbling and I feel kind of weird. And they go, well, that's normal. You know, sit down and be quiet. And you got other people that don't say anything. And they're like, well, you should have been in the hospital a week ago so we could look at this and figure out what's going wrong. So really what we're trying, we figured out this blank spot you know, of, of post-op that we really want to try to shed some light on because there's a lot of people out there that need this information that are pre-op or that are firstly post-op that it's really going to help them to kind of understand a little more what their body's doing. Yep. Not only what your body's doing, but what your emotions are doing, right? Because because that book, there is not a single, in my weight loss surgery Bible, there is not a tab that says, oh, emotional health and support. It's like, it doesn't even exist. And as the three of us have discovered, it's almost, I think the most important part of it and nobody wants to talk about it. So we talking about it. No, they think they they think they covered it with your little uh, one hour pre-screening session with the, with the psychiatrist to make sure that you're not, you don't need a jacket that makes you hug yourself. Mm -hmm. And then once they figure out that's not what it is and you don't need to be in a rubber room, then they're like, oh, you're good to go. Get Get them in there. there's so many other levels to that versus well they're they're not you know they're not really crazy oh okay cool get them in like 
that doesn't teach you anything about how to deal with with what's going to happen to you, you know, post op. Nope, nope, not at all. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Becca, will you take a, a few moments and just introduce yourself to, to the community? Uh, you know, like, what, when did you have VSG? Why did you choose to have that form of surgery? You know, give us a little bit as your why. Why, why, why do you find yourself here today with us? Um, so I'm Becca. I am 22 years old. And yeah, I've been fat my whole life. Um, <laughs> I mean... Uh, from a young age, I kind of knew like in the back of my head that I would end up having bariatric surgery. Um, so it's not really a surprise to me at this point that I've had it. Um, even through like all the diets that I've tried, um, in high school and in like early on in college, like, I just kind of knew in the back of my head that I would have it. Um, and then one day I kind of woke up in the middle of April and I was like, what the fuck? Like I looked at myself, I was like, what, what the fuck? I was like, what am I doing? Mm. And that was just kind of it. I told my mom that I was like considering it and signed up for a virtual meetup with my surgeon within the next couple of days. I kind of just, I had my consultation booked. I met with him and that was just it. That was like the start of it all. Um, my why is just kind of myself. I mean, I'm 22 years old. I, I kind of consider that pretty young. Um, and knowing that someday I want to have kids and I also nanny for kids that are very active and I've worked with kids my whole life. Um, I want to be able to run around with kids and not get tired after like one lap around the playground. Um, and also working with kids, they have a lot of questions. And so the most often I get like, most often I get asked, why are you so fat? Or why are you so big? Or why is your belly so big? And it's like, how do you explain that to the children that, well, it's my fault. It's not the way I was made, but it's pretty much my fault um, at the end of the day. So like, you just kind of push it off and you go, that's not really nice. Don't say that. Um, but I just kind of like want to live the life that I was meant to be. And yeah, I mean, I want to chase some kids around. Um, I chose to have VSG because of how young I am. Um, my surgeon just kind of said, I don't want to do a full bypass on you. Um, if down the road we need to, whatever that's down the road. But yeah, so I had VSG on October 14th. I am, what am I, I'm 12 days post-op. So just shy of two weeks. Yeah. And doing really well, right? I mean, yeah. you really you had no complications. And I know um, in conversations you and I had had before, your liquid pre-op diet was really strict and you worked with your bariatric surgeon to kind of help you through that and you did it successfully how much weight did you lose before you even went in for surgery uh i ended up losing 20 pounds before going wow. in for surgery that's awesome nice. that's awesome yep so now you are 12 days post-op Okay. So can you tell, can you tell people, how did you prepare for your procedure? So both physically and emotionally, what, what did you do to get yourself ready to undergo VSG? So like overall, I kind of like, I did a lot of research like you. I, I mean, I started my Instagram. I talked to you guys so much. I feel like every day I talked to you guys, I was always calling my surgeon's office, asking questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and just talking to everybody else in the community that I had like made friends with and stuff like that. But I really just did my research. I already knew down like many, many years ago, I knew I was addicted to food and that was just kind of it. I, I always just said, I'm addicted to food, whatever. Um, but 
now it's like I'm addicted to food and I need to fix this so I did my research about it um I started reading books I ended up getting a second therapist um which is Wendy which is also April's therapist yeah yeah. Um, and that was amazing yes but like that was the biggest part of the preparation I did um and I just like started talking about my addiction and like trying to accept it like that this is what I'm addicted to like I'm not addicted to drugs I'm not addicted to nicotine or I'm not an alcoholic but it's food and it's hard because like it it took me a long time to accept that I was addicted to it because it kind of makes me angry like oh yeah like people who have alcoholism they can go and they can go to AA meetings and just like kind of wipe out alcohol and say, I don't need alcohol, but like we need food to live. And it's just Mm -hmm. so hard to say, well, you know, like I'm addicted to this, but I still have to eat it every day. So it's like really, it's just challenging to think about. It is. And it's, I think what makes food so, so difficult, such a powerful addiction is that, as you said, right, you don't need alcohol, you don't need drugs. Um, and, and you get to a point with those elements where, where you do need them, but you need food before you're addicted to it. And then food is much more readily available than either alcohol or drugs, right? Like most drugs in most states, they're all illegal. So, you know, you're, you're breaking the law to, to use that addiction, right? Whereas with food, everybody has it. It's everywhere. It's, it's advertised constantly. We're bombarded with it. So it's a readily available substance that we can use to help us cope with life. And I think what you said was so accurate. It's one thing to say, I have a food addiction. It's another thing to say, I have a food addiction and I'm ready to do something about it. Right. Because I mean, so, so, I mean, I did it for years as well. It was like, well, this is just, this is just what I do to get through. And despite how successful you are and how much you've accomplished. And, and even if you are not mad at your physical self or your body positive, whatever it is, none of that matters. What matters is that something greater than yourself is controlling your actions and your behaviors. And you get tired of being a slave to, to those things. It's just exhausting. And you realize that I'm never going to, to get out of this because I've tried everything that is possibly out there and nothing has worked. And as you said, again, perfectly, the only thing out there is diets, right? It's not like there's food addiction rehab that you can go to. There's not a ton of therapists who specialize in it, you know, and, and you, 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 even if you try to find the help, there's just not a lot out there because it's just not recognized as, as a common uh, addiction yet, which is terrible. Right. Well, and, and another, another big part of that is that's why in any addiction, you know, they say that the first step in, in getting a hold of any addiction is to first admit that you've got the problem. Mm-hmm. You can think you're addicted to food all day and that it's a problem in the amount that you like. Most people go through the different stages of I'm really eating too much. I need to back down or I'm eating the wrong things and I need to try to eat a little better. You try to go through and rationalize all these different steps with yourself before you'll finally admit this shit is a full on problem that I'm going to need help to get past because you don't want to think of yourself in the same mentality or on the same level as somebody that is an alcoholic or somebody that is a drug, you know, drug addict. But when it really boils down to it on the most simplistic level, it is the exact same thing. 
It just takes a different kind of assistance to get past it. And surgery is not always just it. You don't just go in, have BSG and go, oh, well, I'm no longer addicted to food now because I can't eat so much. Guess what? Yes, you can. You can't eat that much in Becca's state 14 days out, but in my state, eight days out or eight months out and April state a year and a half out. Oh, you can. You can put it away now like you did before surgery if you keep going because you're basically training your stomach, the muscle that is your stomach, to just keep taking more and more food until you're right back in the same situation you were in before. So the mental aspect of, you know, the issue that we all face is something that really needs to be addressed, whether it be pre-op, post-op, or pre-op and post-op, either way. Um, because until you get past that portion to put yourself in a better mind state, you can the, the best you can hope for is that the habits that you give yourself directly after surgery will carry you on through the remainder of your weight loss and through the remainder of your life after surgery. But there's a good number of people that will still suffer from going back to their same routines, following into their old habits and things like that, that, that April and I have talked about even on the last podcast that we did. Those are just things that you've got to be aware of. Pitfalls, trapdoors are everywhere. That's another thing you won't find in your bariatric Bible. They just don't talk about that kind of stuff. No, no. And, you know, surgery, surgery helps. Surgery is a tool that we can add to our toolbox. But it is not, that tool is only the physical. That tool has nothing to do with, with your addiction. It has nothing to do with your emotions or how you think about food, how you relate with food. It's got nothing. I think the only thing that that tool does is it, it, it injects a break, a, a mental break and, and kind of almost a physical one, right? Between you and your addiction. And it gives you some time to build up that strength and to gather those tools that you need to go into battle to deal with the real issue of weight. That's what, that's what makes weight loss surgery powerful. But if you don't utilize that time, it's not gonna work. It's just not gonna work. And we all know people who have had the surgery and have not been successful. Uh, and we, and the three of us know we have a 50% chance of regaining our weight two years after surgery. And it's because of this conversation. It's because of, of the emotional side, side to all of this. Uh, Becca, I do want to just ask you really quickly, uh, you and I've had this conversation before, but I'm curious to know who did you tell that you were having the surgery and, and who was there to support you? Because I think if I'm remembering from our conversations, you're, you have members of your family who are also large, but you're the only one that's undergone weight loss surgery. Yep. Um, so I ended up telling pretty much all of my mom's side of the family, um, I told friends, I told, well, I didn't really tell, but one of my aunts on my dad's side found my weight loss Instagram. Um, and so obviously she had questions. She's like, what, like, what is this? Like, what, what are you doing? Um, and so like, I, I kind of explained it to her and I kind of told her like, oh, like, shh, like, don't tell anybody like kind of thing. But I knew that wasn't going to last. Um, but like my biggest support honestly was my parents and my boyfriend. And then obviously like we've had this conversation, my smaller family members were my biggest support. Why do you think that is? Have you, have you spent any time, you know, thinking on that? And, and by the smallest, you mean like the physically smallest humans in your family? Yes. Yeah. Like, not, like 
like like you said there's some that are that are bigger and some like and I have obviously like average sized people in my family and stuff like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um but I mean we've talked about this like it's it's almost narrowed down to jealousy I think at this point that like oh I'm gonna fix my life I'm gonna fix my weight problem and I'm gonna do this regardless of whether or not you support me or not and them just being like well like you know like I tried to do that and I couldn't do it but you know like Weight Watchers works for me and all this other stuff but when you look at it it's like you've tried Weight Watchers for 10 years Mm -hmm. at different times and still gained all your weight back so is that really sustainable for you will it be sustainable for me is it sustainable for anybody like else who's going through food addiction yep really great question and and we we have talked about this before kind of that outsider syndrome what 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 we kind of call it right but when people see you making a change that they know they should also be making in their own lives but they don't yet have the tools or the courage or the energy to do it, it can create rifts uh, between people. And that's difficult because you, you know, you want people to support you and you want to be supportive of other people. And it's always a fine line between like, you know, not judging other people for their size, but being concerned about their health or, you know, other things. So there's a lot of, Ooh, there's a lot of crazy stuff that, that kind of goes around with that. But well, obviously, and it, sorry to interrupt, sorry to cut you off, but I mean, it, it may not necessarily so much even be that it's something that the other people need to do, but anytime you force, or not even really force, but anytime other people feel like they have to start looking at themselves and doing any kind of self audit, they start, you know, then, then the resent, you know, resentment starts popping in because they're like, oh, so you you're going to think you're better than me because you're going to get your surgery done and you're going to be all small and I'm going to still be big as shit, but I'm doing Weight Watcher so whatever. Like they, in their mind, that's the rationalization they come to that, well, they're doing something about theirs too. They're just choosing to handle it differently. And so any t- that, that self audit is really something that a lot of, that I find a lot of people, that's where the issues come in because then they have to start taking a, a closer look at the stuff that they're doing and ask themselves, yeah, you're doing Weight Watchers, but are you really doing Weight Watchers? Like you're going to the meetings, you're reading the books, you're looking at the stuff, but are you really working the program to the best of its ability so you can get the maximum payoff, you know, your maximum return on investment? And a lot of times the answer to that is no. Mm-hmm. No. And that's such a, that's such a great word, Jason, self-audit. Yeah. Cause nobody wants to do that. Right. Everybody wants to say like, no, I'm doing things. But it's like what we talk about here. Well, are you really? Are you tracking it? You know, are you are you using data? Do you have evidence to to support what you say that you're doing? And ninety percent the other day, and that yes. was fucking brilliant because I was like, I mean, uh, like you and I were just talking about it. You're like, I'm like, yeah, I was got down to three nineteen. Then I looked again, I was three twenty four. Like, and now I'm pissed off. And you're like, well, what are you doing different? And I'm like, I don't know everything. Like. I completely bailed on the whole program and I'm over here doing this shit off in the weeds and I'm wondering why it's not working. Like, I know why it's not working. Magellan, like, get back on course and figure it out. Like, and now that I've done that, I've lost four pounds of water weight that I've packed on because I was eating shit I wasn't supposed to be eating. And so now I'm right back where I wanted to be and now I can start, you know, get back to continuing on the journey. I just had to take a little detour real quick. But that's where we talk about having support systems and people that will call you on your shit is 
the most important part to this whole situation because April flat out was like, what are you doing different? And I had to look at her dead face and be like, um, you know, everything. Like, she's like, what are you tracking? I was like, nothing. She's like, what are you eating? I was like, shit. Like, <laughs> so I knew, like, I, I couldn't hide from her in that situation. And what's hilarious is she and I have never met face to face. We've never been in the same room together. But through this damn Zoom link camera, she can look at me dead in my face and be like, you're full of shit. And I have to look at her and be like, you're right. Uh, and that's just one of those things like if this is going to work for you not only do you have to have somebody that's going to hold you accountable but you have to be willing to be held accountable and not try to skirt the issue or lie about shit because that's junkie mentality like that shit that that true addicts do because they don't want to take a look at the shit that they're doing that they know is not right I, I mean should we just call it there or <laughs> I've been Man. deep thinking over the weekend in case you haven't in case you didn't know. Wow. I I I now totally understand why your handle is the Smithsonian. You just straight <laughs> up that was wow. Wow. Becca, that was some knowledge drop for you right there. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so my next question for you, Becca. What uh, what what was your immediate reaction when you woke up from surgery? So you were in the hospital. You're coming out of anesthesia. What what was going through your brain when you woke up? Um, so I don't really remember much. Um, when I woke up, I know I woke up in recovery. There was a nurse sitting next to me, and she's like, "You want some ice chips?" And I was like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> um, and like feeling those first ice chips go down, I was like, "Oh well, that that's not pleasant. That's." that's just like I had no words I was in pain and I was drowsy so luckily like after the second like bite of ice chips I was like <sighs> I was like out I was just like that was it and um I didn't really register much at the point like I was just in and out um I like honestly like last night I was thinking about like after surgery I don't remember the first time that I woke up in my room but overall like the first day I was like in some pain, but it really wasn't unbearable. Um, every t everybody told me like, I would regret it immediately. Like I would be sipping on my water and be like, fuck this. Why the fuck did I do that? I really like, like, honestly, like up to this point, I haven't felt that way. I, I think I was just so excited to have it done and get it over with that. Like it, like, honestly, like the pain was worth it. The pain was so minimal though. Um, and the gas pain for me wasn't honestly as bad as everybody like hyped it up to be um everybody's like you'll feel it in your shoulders you'll feel it all the way up to your neck and I'm like okay but like I feel it just like right in the top of my abdomen mm -hmm. and that was kind of it um my my incisions did hurt um especially the one that they took my uh stomach out of it still hurts today mm -hmm. um but I mean most of like the it's it's mostly discomfort at this point though Yep. That I think, yeah, my experience was kind of similar to yours. It wasn't as bad as what I was thinking. Uh, what I do remember though, is in the hospital, just being amazed at how different what I did before surgery was now after, right. And it, it only four hours had passed, but it was like, okay, well, four hours ago, I could chug 20 ounces of, of water. Uh, four hours later, my stomach is screaming at me because I'm trying to chew an ice chip. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, you're just like instantly go from like, oh, what I knew before is not what I know now. And the, the sensations and the feelings are just so, so different, you know, instantaneously. So yeah, no, that's that's true. How long did you stay in the hospital, Becca? Um, I was only there. So my surgery was really late in the afternoon. I um, I had to be at the hospital for 1 p.m., 1 30. Mm. Um, and I went home the next day at like four. Oh, okay. So not even 24 hours. Well, about 24 hours. Yeah, a little bit over. Okay. Okay. Uh, were, were there things that you did at the hospital or things that happened that you think made your experience, you know, better than what you expected or better than most? Mm. I honestly like, um, so the, there's another woman in my room. She had, she had like the first surgery of the day and, um, I could definitely tell like the difference between us like she was able to eat more and like well she's like not eat, like eating but like jello and like tea and water yeah. and more than but um and then obviously like my my dad was with me at that point and he's like she's eating more than you I was like dad there's like a 12-hour gap in between us yeah. um but I was like up walking more than her and like she was always complaining about gas pain like I was up walking mm -hmm. as much as I could mm -hmm. um and she like walked like a couple times, but honestly, like I could say that was a huge, huge like game changer was like just getting up and walking because they were giving me infant gas um, drops and mm -hmm. the first night, okay, they worked. But the next day, like when I woke up, I was like, these aren't working. Like we need to like get up like and go. Yes. Yes, that is the only, the, I think the, the, the two keys to my quick recovery was that I got in 10,000 steps a day. So the day of surgery, and then the day I was released 10,000 steps, and I got in 10,000 steps a day for, for four weeks after surgery. And I asked for a belly binder. So I too was sharing a room with, with a woman who was not doing as well as I was. Uh, and the nurse came in with a with a belly binder for her and put it on her and you know and she was kind of like oh this feels much better and I was like what is that and then I just let it go and then I was having some discomfort because you know I mean all of a sudden you got to use your abdomen muscles to stand up and that's painful uh and then I just remember asking the nurse like well you know what did she get and, and what is this and they put it on me and I was like oh hot dog this is what I've been missing in my life now I feel like my guts aren't gonna like spill out of me every time I try to get up so I remember those were the two biggest things for me. It was getting in just a crap ton of steps and then getting fitted and, and wearing that belly binder, you know, from just a couple hours out of surgery was like, that made the experience so much better. I, I think than others. Yeah. I came out of surgery with a belly binder. And uh, so I know, like, I see a lot of people that were like, yeah, I had to ask for one. And I was like, I just woke up with it and was like, cool, this is what we're doing now. So to me, it was a little different. Uh, and it, it definitely helped. I didn't take mine off for almost like two weeks. Mm -hmm. I think I was right about around Becca's time before I actually tried to take it off at all. Um, and even still, I still wore it intermittently. I would take it off and try to walk a little bit, yeah. but I didn't like the way it made my stomach feel. So I'd put it back on for when I walked and stuff, but then used it around very sparingly around the house. But when I came out, I don't remember anything in recovery, which is funny because I'm deathly allergic to 
all pain medications. So I was taking Toradol and that's it. But apparently, even though I had told everybody and it was in my chart that I'm allergic to all pain meds, I talked them into giving me morphine. <laughs> which I don't know why, because I know what happens and exactly what happens is what happened. I woke up when I finally, they got me in my room and got me in my chair. I immediately was like, trash can please. And I stuck my head in the trash can and I threw up for the next hour. And then uh, I was like, okay, I think I'm done. And then I was fine. I, I, I was after that, I didn't have any more issues, but I was like, why did you give me morphine? And they were looking at me like, uh, crazy ass, you told us to. And I'm like, but I'm allergic to it. And they were like, you still asked for it. And I'm like, I don't know why I would do that. I was under the influence, sir. Like, yeah. why are you doing to me? I was high. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, why are you going to listen? I'm the one that you listen to? Like, come on now. Like, you know what you gave me? Like, so yeah. I, uh, I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, once I got, once I, because normally if I do stuff like that, I'll throw up for like 12, 16 hours just straight. I'll just be thrown up. Oh, I, I got it. And I, time. Luckily, I just got, you know, the one time oh. I got it over with. But yeah, after that, and, and doing that fresh out of surgery, oh, let me just, let me just tell you that right there. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that really makes you reevaluate your life choices. Uh -huh. um, but it, it honestly passed that point. I'm like you guys, like I got up, walked as much as I could, did as many laps. Like, I, but when I got home is when I adjusted the way I was walking, because I realized that especially in the heat out here in Florida like I was not trying to get too far from the house and then my body be like uh, what are you doing dummy like uh, you can't just be up moving around like that in this heat this is a little different so I kind of just did you know around the driveway a few times until I got comfortable they kind of down the street back a little bit then finally started uh, you know add more to it every day until I could do enough to kind of move around but Gas pain for me was the same. Like I was able to control all my gas pain with deep breath. Like if I got a gas pain, take a deep breath and hold it. And somehow it just moved it away to where it wasn't a problem anymore. And I let the, let the deep breath out and just kind of keep it moving. Wow. Yeah. Was there uh, Becca, was there something that you wish had happened at the hospital that maybe would have made your experience better? Or it was the hospital just kind of like, it is what it is. I would just want to get in and out and then move on. Um, so originally I, I was really pissed off um, because I had to go to the hospital alone because of COVID. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, so like, especially like I, I'm used to going to the hospital, like for surgeries with like a posse of people. Like I'm talking like mom, my boyfriend, like sometimes my brother, like, um, some friends, like I show up with a whole group of people. <laughs> it's like entourage, medical yeah. entourage. Um, and so like my mom and I usually do like this ritual, um, that we like, we like, it's just what we did like all the time. Like if she went in for surgery or I went in for surgery, like we would walk each other to the operating room door as far as you can get. And like, you know, kiss, hug, that's it. Like, bye, see you later. Like that. And like, that was our thing. So like knowing that I couldn't do that, like it killed me inside. Like knowing that, like I couldn't have anybody with me and especially knowing I have really bad anxiety to begin with. Um, it made it really difficult. Um, and so like my anxiety was like all time high 
as soon as I like I was I was okay through the day like I ended up working half day before surgery I was like whatever um and like after like I got home I was like all right like I, I found myself pacing um and I just like I don't know my my prep like my time in my prep room was horrible and like I literally walked in like oh you're here you're here all right we could do this like super fast because they're ready for you like you could have been here like three hours ago and we probably could have got you in like sort of like that and I was like uh okay um and so like my mom was like you know get into the prep room get ready like call me like whatever and I was like yeah like that'll work because they usually give you time to like relax and like calm down um didn't get that um so um at one point there was five people in the room with me at once Mm -hmm. there was the there was two nurses there was my surgeon who had just walked in to let me sign the papers there was there was probably more than five there was like three people for anesthesiologist there was just a lot of people at once around my bed and I'm like sitting here like this (laughs) um and like all I'd want to do is like call my mom be like mom um so but like, I think the, the thing that set me off was like, I was getting my IV. She's like, all right, we're going to like do your IV. And they're like, oh, you have like really great veins. And I was like, okay, sure. I haven't drank anything all day, but I don't know how I have veins. Um, and so like, she was like, oh, like your arm, like your hand. And then she tr- decided to try and like go in the side of my wrist. Oh. And oh. it felt like she was stabbing the bone of my wrist. Oh. That was oh. it. That was oh. it. Cue the anxiety attack times four. Oh, horrible! And I had a mask on too, and I literally could not breathe. I was like, (gasps) I was like, literally gasping for air. And I was like, look, like I can't breathe. This is bad. I was sobbing. My my surgeon's rubbing my back, and he's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, no, is that? (laughs) Um, so they ended up giving me relaxing meds, um, which made it a little bit like better I guess I my my mom called me as they were doing it and I was like hi mom I'm getting um relaxing meds and (laughs) and literally I don't remember anything else from like usually like I'll remember like getting into like the OR and like stuff like that but no like I I was I don't know how they got me in the OR I don't know how they got me on the operating table I don't know anything um (laughs) But I did have some really, really great nurses um, that made the experience so much, like, so better. Um, I, like, before and after, um, they were just so, like, motivating and, like, all around genuine towards me. And, like, I couldn't have asked for better nurses, especially during this time, knowing I couldn't have, like, my people with me. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, the only thing that kind of, like, I wish was different um, is I never saw my surgeon after surgery. He, um, he must like, he must have like cut out my stomach, ripped it out and like stitched me up and said, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think it would have made everything after surgery like a little better because I had a lot of questions about what I was feeling and like, cause like the nurses, they're, they're helpful, but they're like, yeah, you're supposed to have gas pain. You're not supposed to be able to drink much. You might puke. You get pain meds, gas meds. Yeah, here you go. But they don't know, like, like I would ask like, oh, like what, like I have all the incisions, like what are these incisions for? Like my stomach, it feels weird. Like, is this normal? And they're like, oh, I was like, I just wish like I had like somebody like, I did end up having like a, somebody come in to like, just say, hey, like the surgery went well, but like, it wasn't my surgeon. Like I wasn't able to like have that, like how did surgery go? How was it? Like, kind of like, 
make sure everything was good like and what actually happened until later in the evening well later in the afternoon the day I left so it was just kind of stressful too but it was like I I can't complain I mean it's a hospital like I yeah yeah (laughs) but you know but those are the those are really good things for you to even before well before you go in for surgery is to ask though right you know that you can advocate for where you want the, the IVs in your blood to get drawn. I, I have horrible access here. I wanted, I, I always have them take them in my hand. And I was able to say like, nope, you're not going in my arm. You're going to take them from my hand, right? Like this is where I want you to do it. So knowing that you can advocate for those types of things. And then also asking the question before you go into surgery, when will I see my surgeon or do I get to see my surgeon? And even having some questions formulated, because I, I absolutely agree with you. You, you want to connect with the person that just cut your stomach out and you have some pretty specific questions that you probably would like to ask them. And I think the flip side to that is, I mean, for the surgeon, this is like going to Starbucks to them, right? Like this is just so normal. So every day, whereas for us, we're so removed from any type of medical procedure like this. And we're and the anxiety that comes with that is just through the roof. So to know that you can advocate, you can ask those questions, you can advocate before surgery so that you're a little bit more prepared after surgery is, is a really great tool that we can use to help our hospital experience go the way that, that we would like it to. So that's a, that's a really good point, Becca. Yeah, okay. no, you're hundred percent right. I know for me that I, um, when, when I went through it, I didn't have any anxiety until the very morning of when they got me in there, got the gown on, got me in the bed. I really started, I, it, she came out of nowhere and it cranked up to 10 and I'm looking around and I told my, I look at my wife, I was like, I think I made a mistake. I think we're going to go. We're mm-hmm. just going to go with five <laughs> on the way home. We're going to head out like this is dumb. I'm not even doing this shit. And right about that time, the surgeon like rips the curtain open and he's like, how are we doing? And I said, well, I'm about to go. And he was like, going to surgery. he goes, yeah, you're going to surgery. And I was like, no, I'm about to head to the house. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And he was like, oh, no, we're doing this. He's like, everybody in here is here for you. He's like, we're going to take care of you. We're going to get this done. He's like, yeah, sweat it. He's like, I know you're freaking out. I know what you're worried about. He's like, but trust me. He's like, we're all going to take the most excellent care of you. And my, luckily mine was just before COVID happened, like two, literally a week after my surgery, they shut surgeries down completely for the next couple of months. So I got in there right before. So my wife was with me, but yeah, I, I, I felt the same way as far as that goes, but it was hilarious. Cause my wife was like, I, she told the doctor surgeon, she's like, I don't know where this came from. Like he was cool until literally like five mm-hmm. minutes ago. And he's like, now nah, it's normal, it happens. And that's just kind of how that, how that shakes out. Like, don't sweat it. But, but it's because you know, deep down, you know, shit is about to get real. And you know that when I wake up from surgery, I don't think my crutch is going to be there anymore. And no. that is terrifying. It's terrifying. Right? So and I think everybody, I mean, I freaked out, you freaked out, you freaked out, right? We all do it because it's like, okay, I, I thought I was ready for this big change. Maybe I'm not. What if I fail? You know, you fill in the blank. It's, it's a very, I think it's one of the most real moments that we've experienced either ever in our lifetime or or in a very long time. And when you, when you face that reality and there, and you know that there's no going back, it's, it's a, it's a big moment. It's a big, scary moment, but clearly we survived. We're, we're, we're on the, we're on the downside of that. 
so Becca, your first week home, what, what was that like? Was it easier than what you expected? Was it more challenging? You know, yeah, just, just walk us through what, what that first week was like. Yeah, really quick. I like, I just want to say, um, I like, I was really excited. I felt really prepared for surgery, like, like going up, like up until like that moment, I felt really prepared. Like I was ready. I wanted this. This was like, I had no regrets. And like, it's just crazy. Like thinking about like, I went in and I was like, my, my people aren't here. This is not, this is not okay. Um, but yeah, like, it's just so weird. Like how it's like, yeah, I'm ready. Everybody kept asking, are you anxious? Are you anxious? No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a guy the morning of mine. Uh, he self-sabotaged it. He went and had breakfast before he came to have surgery. And they were like, uh, what are you doing? And he was like, what do you mean? And they were oh. like, you can't have surgery if you ate. And he's like, I can't? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he meant to do that. I'm like, you know, damn good. Well, you can't have so like he went and had a big belly buster breakfast, like he was ready to go. And I'm like, that's you can't like you know better. Like you yeah. shouldn't even have shown up today. Yeah, no, you called it self-sabotage. That's what that it, is. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, week one, honestly, the pain was probably the easiest part of it. Um, I really only had like some discomfort in my incisions and like where especially like where my excess stomach was taken out. I did have like that gas pain and like discomfort in the middle of my abdomen where obviously like my stomach is like now in a red ball um, because it's all types of fucked up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but everything was hard, like trying to sip, trying to get protein in, listening to my stomach. It was just very stressful. Um, and my new stomach did not want anything but water at this point. Like it, it said, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't know what that is that you just try to give me, but I'm going to try and puke right now. Um, but Let, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit, because this was the biggest revelation for me after surgery. And it was because of Wendy, who you and I both see. Uh, but I think I was maybe a month out of surgery. And Wendy said, well, you know, I was struggling with, I don't know what I was struggling with, but she said, well, you know, when was the last time you checked in, you know, with your stomach? And I was just like, I don't, are you talking to me? Like, what kind of stupid ass question is that? Like, what do you mean? Why would I ask my stomach? My stomach's not a person, Wendy. You know, like, you're just thinking like this bit, you know, like this, no, 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 no. But turns out, you know, you actually do have to communicate with your body. And it was the most foreign, like crazy, ridiculous thing. I mean, I thought she was just straight up blowing woo-woo up my ass, but turns out you do have to listen to your, to, to your stomach. So tell us what that, like, what does that mean to you? How did you like wrap your brain around this concept? Have you ever listened to your physical self before? You know, what, what was this process like? Um, so I think the first time I started to listen to my stomach and like what it was going through was um, after my consultation, they were like, you're right. So you're going to want to start and like listen to your stomach and figure out what it's saying and, and do all this stuff to prepare you for surgery. And I was like, okay. So like, I started having those conversations like, like that. And I was like, all right, like, this is normal. Like, yeah, I guess you feel full. <laughs> but um, after, after surgery, I had a session with Wendy and I was like, look, when like I, <clears throat> protein is not it like it's not the protein shakes are not not coming into my mouth they're disgusting I don't want to think about them and she's like all right so take two days 
give like well she was like well first she was like talk to your stomach and i was i was like all right i'm gonna talk to my stomach wendy um so i'm sitting i'm just sitting here awkwardly i'm like all right stomach what do you what do you want <laughs> she's like how long how long do you think that your stomach needs and i'm like uh a long time <laughs> but she was like she was like um so i told her i was like meh two days two days came and went i have not had a protein shake um but every day i check in with my stomach and i go hey you ready for a protein shake you know some good protein no it's not it's not it's it's it like literally tells me that it'll puke it up yes and and you've been struggling with this i know the three of us have been have been talking um in an instagram direct message but it's a real struggle because you know that you have to get protein in this week especially you're two weeks out your body is really needing this nutrition but it's a very different it's a different experience because never in your life have, have you had this internal desire to reject food and nutrition, and you're actually taking time to really listen to what your body is asking for you. And it's telling you it's, it's not, it doesn't want or need food right now, which is so foreign to how we've lived the entire, you know, our entire lives. So we're at a real crossroads. We're, we're at a real struggle point. Yeah. Right. Like I, I'm not hungry at all. And that was the issue, like in the hospital and coming home, like my mom and dad would look at me and go, you need to like go drink a protein shake. And I'm like, mom, dad, I literally cannot Yeah. like my stomach, like even like talking about him right now, my stomach is like, like all like, Ugh. um, but and, and I, when we say talking, we are, we like the three of us were talking about this earlier. It actually makes sounds that we've never heard, heard it make sounds before. We can, we can audibly hear it outside of our own bodies. It is making weird sounds. It is doing weird movements inside. I mean, it is, it's like a, a, something that's alive and it's a real legit thing now that is very vocal, right. <laughs> very active. Um, but yeah, I totally was like, I can't like water was my friend and it's so much like it's still like the one thing that I'm intaking I, I I could say my water intake is great I can't I can't tell you about my my protein intake because if I'm getting 15 to 20 grams a, a day that's that's a lot for me right now but like we were talking about earlier um my bariatric bible that I have it it says by week 14 which is two days Two days from now, I should be able to drink three protein shakes. I, I, I haven't even drank a full one. <laughs> is it, do you think, is it just, is it the thought of eating? Is it, is it the protein shakes themselves? What is it? What, what do you think has been your, I, what's your. I think it's, it's the thought of eating, first of all, like I'm not hungry. I have no desire um I have just like I do have desire I have desire to like chew my food um oh, yeah um I'm kind of just sick of drinking stuff um yes but I, I, think it's, I think it's also I'm over protein shakes and like fake protein I I had a four-week liquid diet before surgery like so if you think about it I'm on week six at this point of mm -hmm. all liquids you, you, you ready for, for a change you over it. <laughs> yep. So when you, so when you think about eating something, so I'm just going to say like, uh, uh, eggs, scrambled eggs, or I don't know, right. Something soft cream of wheat. Does that sound enticing or just. I've actually, I've actually been doing cream of wheat 
don't tell my surgeon. <laughs> um, I've been, I've been, I literally take a half a tablespoon of it and yeah. I'm able to eat that. Um, and I throw uh, Gene Pro in it and, you know, some cinnamon, some Splenda. Yeah. I could eat that all day. Yes. But, and that's enjoyable. Yeah. So like I could eat that. I could eat, um, I could eat sugar-free pudding, like stuff like that. Like I'm getting stuff in. It's just not the protein shakes. Yeah. Yeah. You may have to switch to protein water. Uh, some of the protein waters may help or just putting gin or some of the, you know, flavorless protein powder in some of the stuff you're drinking or eating, like you've been doing with the gin pro. Yeah. Uh, to be able to do it. I mean, people have done it and people have been successful with it. It's just some of those protein waters are good. Some of them are gross. I remember in my time frame around, you know, once I finally got to soft stuff and I could have scrambled eggs, that was all I wanted. They sounded amazing to me. So doing the soft, I learned how to soft scramble eggs and that was the best thing in the world. And I probably hit that solid for the next two weeks it was just, that was the highlight of my day, getting the soft scramble an egg. I was just like, oh, yep. Yeah, well, and that's uh, actually this week when we go live on uh, Instagram, we're going to talk about some creative ways to get protein in because this part of the recovery is so important that, that you do get in the nutrition, but it's a real struggle, right? When, when your body doesn't want that, it's not appealing when you're ready to actually, yeah, you know, consume food again, it's, it's hard to do. And there are tons of options out there, but you really do want to be careful and you want to follow your surgeon's guidelines because your stomach is still raw. So you don't want to introduce things into that that could cause infection or could, you know, derail you, derail your progress. But at the same time, yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you got to get stuff in. Uh, and you did say earlier that you're eating with a baby spoon, which when they told me that I was going to have to eat with a tiny spoon for, you know, a long time, I was like, that is ridiculous. That's so stupid, but it's so convenient because you're getting the perfect amount of food. Cause you really can't have like a bite. You're just not there yet. No. Yeah. I I've been using a, um, a baby spoon. It's been really helpful. Yes. Um, I find if I'm using a regular spoon, I'll try to shovel it all into my mouth and, mm -hmm. I have to, I literally just like store it in my cheek, like a chipmunk and like, you know, <laughs> take it, take it slow. <laughs> um, but no, like what Jason was saying, like about adding protein and stuff I've added, like, I feel like I've, I've exhausted all of my options. I've added gene pro to Gatorade. I've added gene pro to, to this and that. And I've tried the protein waters. They all taste disgusting. I think it's just like, my body is like saying goodbye, fake protein. Can I have something with like some substance that has, mm -hmm its own protein in it you know yeah. yeah have you tried bone broth have you have you tried doing that so i that's that's <laughs> that's so that's the only way i'm getting protein in right now um is bone broth um i like other than that i'm trying some yogurts but I, it takes me three days to eat a yogurt cup and yeah. uh, oh yogurt my oh Yogurt not okay for me ever in life. It still to this day is not. I had the smallest little bit of spoonful of yogurt in my stomach. The top met the bottom in the middle. It was like, nope. And I was just like, okay, we're done. All right, never mind. Just kidding. Like that was, yeah, my stomach. Because my stomach, like that's the only way I know that my stomach's not going to have it is it cramps and it cramps hard and it cramps um, really quickly. It'll just be like, nope. And I listen very carefully. I'm like, yes, sir. Okay, we're done. Next. 
Yeah. Like you talked about the baby spoon thing, and it's funny because at least with you guys, it looks, you know, it it doesn't look so crazy, but when you're, you know, six, four and 450 pounds and you're standing there with a little tiny baby spoon and this little (laughs) tiny quarter cup of stuff that you're trying to eat out of and people are looking at you like, you bump your head? Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, I'm good. This is, yeah, this is all I get. Like, and they're just looking at you like, like, you all right? (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. Um, Becca was, uh, have there been things that have been more challenging than what you expected your, your first week, or are there emotions or revelations that have really kind of bubbled up from you since you have had your procedure? Um, so my first week, like I kind of had, or like my ordinary emotions. I wasn't like, I luckily was out of school, so I wasn't like anxious or anything. So like everything was just kind of like chill. Like I gave myself time to recover. Like I, I like literally vegged on the couch the whole week. And, um, I did, like, I did feel myself, like, almost, like, jealous of others that were eating, like, regular food, mm-hmm. um, because I, I, like I said, I, I just felt like I was sick and tired of the fake protein, um, and being on liquids for six plus weeks is just, it was a pain. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of frustration. It, it can, it just feels like, I guess for me, I just remember, you know, not being able to do much and just kind of vegging out and then being mad at myself because I was doing nothing. And then, yeah, then you're just annoyed because you see people or you're around people and they're eating and they're doing all this. And well, my life has changed completely. Right. It just, for, for me, I just, I got to a really dark place. I was mad at everybody. I was mad at my old life. I was mad at decisions that I used to make. I was just pissed. I was very, very upset. Uh, but then I also got to the point where I had to just tell myself, there's nothing you can do about that. Now you've already made the decision. You've already had the surgery. You can't go back in time and change any of that. My only option was just to move forward and, and to live my new life as best as I could with my new circumstances. And that took me about two weeks to, to get there. Cause there was, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of second guessing things, but you kind of get to the point where it's like, there's nothing I can do. I mean, this is, it is what it is now. I've, I've had the decision to have the surgery. All I can do is, is move forward. Any crazy emotions, any crazy revelations, any, how, how have your family and friends reacted to your recovery now that you've been two weeks out? Um, honestly, everybody's like, pretty supportive at this point like everybody's like well you're like you're there like you're almost about to get some food in and you know be able to be normal yes as much as possible um but i mean yeah like does that include the people that weren't supportive before you had the surgery or are they it's hard to tell because i haven't seen them since after um i i did get a card in the mail from them okay but that's know, nice if it was genuine <laughs> especially well, I mean, but, that, but honestly that took that took some effort to do i mean they had to do it mail it do all that so i mean that i'm open about who it is it was my uncle and my aunt ended up writing the card i could tell from the handwriting so who knows um but i mean it's something it's it's support it's yeah, I mean, I talked to them on the phone for a little bit, and 
they they were kind of like oh like how are you feeling and i'm like i'm great thanks are you guys gonna support <laughs> me now because <laughs> no like like literally like two weeks it was like maybe a week and a half before um they went out to dinner with my my mom and my dad and my mom and my dad came back and my dad was like look like they don't want you to have surgery they were talking about like me canceling surgery and just continuing doing what I'm doing on my pre like my pre-op diet because I lost so much weight and all this other stuff and I was like do they not know like this is sustainable like I'm literally drinking liquid diet forever yeah like what like literally it was just like okay and I was like I'm on appetite suppressors this is not long term yeah no yeah I could could continue to do this and cancel my surgery but when I end up being 500 pounds Mm -hmm. that yeah well and that you know I I I did everything under the sun before surgery for 10 years I mean whatever it was I did it it was either an exercise program it was a, a diet it was this new thing right and I did it with fidelity and I always lost weight right so I knew that I could I could do that but what it took for me to live life at that new low weight was not sustainable. It wasn't eating real food. It was starving myself. And before surgery, I had to think about food constantly. I was making a bargain with food every moment of the day. And that exhausted any of my willpower. It exhausted, it exhausted my every facet of my being. You can't live like that. That's not sustainable. So what makes weight loss surgery different is, is it's a tool that, that you have never tried before, but it's a tool that inserts itself between you and your addiction, between you and the battles. And it gives you some time to build up your tools. It gives you some time to get some separation between you and the food so that you can get right with that relationship. So you can figure out what is important to me moving forward with food and my health. And nothing else on the planet does that except weight loss surgery. That's it. It's the only thing that does it because we finally have a tool that is sustainable. And we finally have a a tool that gives us that, that, which, what we were missing before, because we can all, we've all said it a thousand times. We've done everything we possibly could do before to live at a healthy weight, but we got to, we got to a low weight and we realized, oh my God, I don't actually know how to do this. I don't have the right tool. And this is not sustainable. This is not healthy, nor is this sustainable. But weight loss surgery gives us that tool that, that is all of those things. Yeah, and it's a process just like everything else, whereas the, you know, the like we said, the surgery is one part of the, it gives you the tool, but you still have to put the work in. Like for those that say this is the easy way out or you just chose this and easy my ass. Like I'm going to tell you, I've been there and I'm going to promise you it's not so easy because you can still you know, run yourself right out of the, you know, you can, you can still break the tool just like everything else, expand your stomach back out. You can still make poor choices. Like this isn't easy. It's a struggle every day until you finally get to a point where you've put yourself in the right position to make the right choices just out of habit. And, you know, you're still apt to slip at any point in time. You just always have to be aware of that. It just becomes less of an every single day, multiple times a day struggle to make sure you're hitting all your points yep it's literally just a a cycle before surgery you you 
you go through this this feeling of oh I need to go lose weight so you start a diet you start the diet you do really well you know you're doing good and then all of a sudden something else happens you know pet yep. fish dies and that's it the, the world comes to an end and you know you start eating your your junky foods again or you go back to the way that you were eating before like binge eating and stuff like that and then that's it you're you've gained your weight and then some back it's just like a cycle it just goes round and round and round yes yep it's insanity it's absolute insanity and that's why i get so frustrated with people you know who say like well it's the you know weight loss surgery is the easy way out no 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 weight weight loss surgery is is the most challenging way out but it's the only way that promises actually to get out that's it because I mean, yes, we, we can do bad things and we can go back into a shame cycle, right? We, we can continue to do that. But I think after you have gone through all of the work physically and emotionally to get to the point of surgery, you, you survive surgery, you get through the pain, you start to tackle the emotional stuff. All of a sudden, now you have many, you've got all these tools that you never had before to, to battle it, right? right. Whereas you know, Atkins and all these other, you know, diets, quote unquote, they don't give you the, the thing that you were missing. They, they don't give you that, that separation from food, which is exactly what this is. It's a separation from food. Well, and you can't even like, when people say like, you know, surgery is the easy way out, like staying fat's not even really the easy way out. Like you can't no. like staying fat's easy because you don't have to do shit to stay fat except you you have loss of mobility you have loss of health you go through shit daily that you know issues that you have while being fat that you just can't i mean you you there's lots of downsides to being fat so that's not even the easy way no 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 the the easiest way out is to do nothing that's the easiest way out so yeah, so instead of you doing the easy thing, you did the extremely difficult thing. And people are going to want to make you feel bad for doing something hard because that means that if you can do it, they can also do it. And they just don't want to do it yet. They're not ready. They, for whatever reason, well, okay, that's on them. That's, that's got nothing to do with us then. That's, why, that's one of my favorite things. It's like when I, when I learned the, the trick and the trick is, oh, when people hand you their shit for you to hold you go oh actually that's not my shit i don't have to hold it weird i can just give that right back to you and go oh i'm sorry you left this at my door there you go i got time for that please get out of here with that so becca what what have been some of the biggest changes you've noticed from week one to week two in your recovery Are, are you noticing physical changes are you noticing emotional changes what what what's what's shifted for you um so i'm i mean just general like changes i i'm actually able to like take real sips of water more frequently at first i was like all right all right this is it a little tiny sip all right gotta wait um but now like i'm actually like if i'm thirsty i can take like a few good like almost gulps at this point um and i mean i'm getting a little bit more of protein in but Mm -hmm not where it should be um but I like pain aspect and gas like I feel pretty much back to normal um I mean physically I feel great I went on my first walk yesterday like post-op like that was great like I didn't feel too horrible but my legs were like all right you haven't done this in a while Um, but overall like I'm down 75 pounds since my highest weight and just over 13 since surgery 
Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And my, my incisions look really great. Um, but like the only, like the only downfall physically is like, we've talked about this is like, nobody talks about how your breath changes after surgery. (laughs) You and I talked about this. Oh yeah. Yeah. The three of us did. Yes. You got some stink stuff coming out of your mouth after surgery. And it's just because of what you've gone through, right? Like your body is processing so many different things and it's just got to come out somewhere. Yeah. And mm -mm. no, nobody tells you that. And well, your friends and your family do, because they go, oh my God, close your mouth. It smells like a sewer factory. And you're like, what? I haven't eaten anything. (laughs) And and part of that comes back to the fact of how long it takes you to actually have your first you know, bowel movement after surgery because you're packed up. You got all everything in there hanging out because you've been all gung-ho on protein. So your body's like, hey, hey, where's the rest of this that makes the makes these pipes flow normal? And and, mm-hmm. and so it takes a while to get the get the train moving again. So <laughs> that also has a big impact on it. Once you get back to, to you know being a little more regular, you don't have all the gas back up, it'll 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 help a lot. Yeah. I think like also it has to do with like the fact that we're not chewing anything too mm-hmm. to move the stuff in our mouth like mm-hmm. i after drinking like bone broth like my teeth have like this like film on them almost oh weird <laughs> um, <Bone> broth film <laughs> um, <laughs> um no but like it's like i don't know it like almost feels like i like a I don't know like it's just like a film almost and um like and I could tell the change from like my breath before and after the bone broth like I I'm not like it's not like I'm chewing stuff to to move like all the plaque and stuff in my mouth either way so everything's just well, sitting there mm-hmm. and- the, the the chewing motion also signals our body to begin the digestion process Right. So, so not only is the chewing mental, but it also is saying like, Hey, it's time to start rocking and rolling here because you're going to need to do something. But when you're just sipping it, that those signals are not going through, through your system. So it's a completely different sensation, even though you're chewing liquid, you're still getting your body primed and ready to start like doing food again, which is huge. That's like, yeah that's a good thing and, and and we're not being disparaging about the bone broth industry so please don't <laughs> you don't need any letters from the bone broth industry talk about how we bash the boat we're not doing nothing wrong with bone broth it's just oh. not for me not, oh. not for everyone. I, love it. I love it i love it but i love bone broth like i was like i was really happy to have it like the first couple of days like it was something different and like now it's just like oh here's bone broth again right yeah it does get old the it's thing just- is, like like you just have this bone broth They're like yep, it's just like the protein shakes yep having another protein shake yes but- my wife poured bone she opened the lid and just tilted the carton and i was like nope <laughs> it didn't even barely hit the bowl and i was <laughs> like uh-uh. I smelled it and saw it hit the bowl and was like, will not eat that at all. <laughs> no so there's like two or three cartons of it just sitting in there. I'm like, no, no thanks. Becca, you, you said a really important thing, which is kind of related to our emotions after loss surgery. Food all of a sudden is really boring, right? And for so much of our life, food was entertainment, food was fulfillment, food was joy. 
And after surgery, I mean, almost instantly you realize, oh, there is no joy in this anymore. There is no entertainment in this. You're so over it. I, I just remember thinking like, I am never going to find enjoyment from food again. And I am fine with that. If I could just skip it, if I could just take a pill and that would, you know, be my nutrition or that's my food. So I could get this over with, I would be so much happier in life. I mean, it's a real, it's a real mind shift. Um, and it's hard to kind of wrap, wrap your head around. And it sounds like that's kind of where you're at right now. You're definitely to the board stage. Yeah. Um, like emotionally, like I feel okay, but like, I'm totally over liquids. Like, I just want to feel like a, a normal person and like, you know, not have to pack my, my bone broth and my other stuff in my lunchbox to like go over like my friend's house. Cause you know, they don't have bone broth and, and protein shakes and like yeah. the thing I need or like the the yogurt I need like stuff like that like um like I just want to be able to like chew foods and not have to drink them all the time um but like I've definitely noticed like a change in like my emotional feelings from last week to this week what what have what what have been the biggest changes um I think I'm more on edge and like irritable I think at this point mm-hmm well, I mean, I don't go with food when you actually start to get to adjust it, you know, and, and actually start eating food again. That, that should subside hopefully a little bit. When I used to pack my little ricotta bake, little quarter cup ricotta bakes around and, and do that with my little vegan ricotta. Yeah. But it, uh, it, it'll, it'll make a huge difference. And uh, April, yes, Willy Wonka, we would all like to have a pill that gave us a full meal, but <laughs> we don't have that. So. The rest of us have to figure out how to cope and deal with little bits of food at a time. Yeah. And it, it is a change. Well, and, and I think that's the other reason why you're feeling irritable and, and just annoyed is because, you know, you're, this is the time when, when, you know, you're, you're physically feeling better. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I have a lot of time all of a sudden to think about things for me, especially that was the biggest revelation after surgery was just realizing how much time before surgery, my, how much time I spent thinking or obsessing about food before surgery. And now all of a sudden after surgery, you're like, okay, wait a minute. I don't want to ever think about food again, or I'm so mad at food, or it's just not even appealing. And then you have like hours extra in your day. And you're just going, for me, it was like, where the frick did all this time come from? Cause like nothing has changed, but everything changed has changed because now I have all of this extra brain, you know, this time and brain space to think about things because I'm not dedicating it to food. And I think that was one of the reasons that I was so angry and irritable after surgeries, because I finally realized what healthy, normal sized people, people's life was like, because mine was nothing like that. I spent 99% of my day thinking about food in some capacity and healthy people don't do that. They just don't do that. And now all of a sudden, right? One little thing changes and now, oh, this is how I was supposed to be living my entire life. I was just so, I was so mad. I was so pissed off at, I don't know what or who, but I was angry and I was mad and and irritable. And I don't think there's any way around it. You just have to live through it. You just have to fight through it. Talking about it helps. Writing about it helps, you know, getting, getting that, that feeling of anger and emotion out is, is a good thing. Just like you got to shake the gas loose. You got to shake all of these, all of these things that are bubbling up to the top. Right. And there's nothing wrong with them that they are your thoughts and your feelings and they exist for a reason. So we just have to acknowledge them say, yep, that's how I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, great. 
and then move on. Well, and I remember having a lot of like what she's talking about with that. And I just, I shorted a lot of my transition times by a couple of days. I'd be like, yeah, I'm ready to try that. So I'd give it a small try. It didn't completely, you know, mess my stomach up. So I just transitioned a little bit early. And I talked to my nutritionist about it, kind of came clean with her. And she was like, yeah, it's really not a big deal. It's more of a guideline than it is a hard line Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're really feeling like you can get past that. And my, my liquid diet was only two weeks. I don't know who in the hell thought a four-week liquid diet would be okay. Because mm-hmm. I would not. There's like I didn't have a problem with the two-week, but you could kiss my entire ass, and that's a lot <laughs> of ass, before surgery on a four-week. I would have been like, mm, I'm going to have to get another opinion, another surgeon, <laughs> somebody that's not talking four weeks, because the two weeks I thought was going to be hell. But I just, yeah, I, I couldn't. So that's why I said I shorted mine by a couple of days on each account never had any issue with it but i i felt a lot of the same way i was like getting antsy getting agitated so yeah and i, I knew think it was time to try something different and it's it, it's one thing to get antsy and irritated and turn to food to to move through that feeling but i think we feel like such garbage after surgery anyways that when we start feeling with that we really kind of just naturally start dealing with it on our own without food because food is no longer a crutch for us so I think if we're, if we're, if we're having these conversations with ourselves, and if we're sounding crazy, but if we're actually talking to our stomach and we're, we're listening to what it needs and it wants, and we're trying things safely, that's like kind of how you're supposed to live your life after a surgery. You're supposed to listen to what your body needs and you give it exactly what it needs. And you stop when you feel full, you stop when it doesn't feel good anymore. That's normal. And we've never done it before. Never. And it's terrifying to like, figure that out, you know, on your own, all of a sudden they're like, well, I, I, you know, the surgeons are like, cut your stomach out, eat less. And you're like, what the hell? I don't even know what that means. I've never in my life have eaten less. I've always eaten to the point where I need to like lay down on a couch and put sweatpants on because that was apparently joyful. And now I don't want to do that at all. I mean, it's just, dude, all, all kinds of new. Okay. So Becca, what, what are you uh, celebrating this week and what challenges are you facing this week? Um, so I'm really just celebrating my water intake being good and feeling, feeling better. Like I, I didn't expect to like be up on my feet and like feel so good so fast. Um, yeah. Cause but, you've already gone back to work like part-time, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and Jason, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> no, you would know. No. It's, it's great. It's great that you feel like you can. Like for me, I, I could have gone back at, at day four post-op but I sit on my ass all day so it's way different I'm not chasing kids and trying to pick kids up and do all that and make yeah I didn't do a lot like the most standing I would do was get up to get water intermittently throughout the day and walk the gas pan off go to the bathroom and stuff so for me it wasn't that big of a deal I took six days but I could have I could have gone back and forth yeah no yeah back when you told us you were back to work part-time I think Jason and I both was like what the hell are you doing like oh, yeah. what like what in the actual hell but I mean, my kids are older, like my youngest one is three. She's pretty self-sufficient. So um, the most I do is cook lunch. (laughs) I mean, and and so that makes it a lot different. I mean, for you, it sounds like it's a lot more physically demanding, but you also have the ability to scale back and say, you know, while I'm recovering, while I'm getting better, we're just going to modify the program a little bit. And then once I'm back and feeling better, then we'll go back to, you know, chaos and mayhem that little, little toddlers are, are used to doing. Exactly. 
she knows too like oh. I told her I told I like I, I explained it as much as I could to her I was like yeah like I had surgery like there's there's boo-boos on my belly and inside and I have to take it easy and she's like okay but that's the greatest thing about kids um it is but, they are pretty good like that <laughs> so what um, yeah also, what I'm also celebrating um my puree stage I can I can switch over to when on Wednesday legit kind of like baby food oh yeah so i'm spending like the next couple days like trying to figure out what i want to try and get in um smart but my biggest challenge of course is just the protein it's just low and it's not where it needs to be yeah so we're working on that Yep. And on, and on Wednesday, we're going to talk about some, some creative ways that we can sneak some protein in. Um, and, and I think, you know, you're, you're doing, you're doing well, you're, you're listening to your body. You are looking for creative ways to get it in. You're cognizant of it. Um, and you know that you need to get more of it, which, you know, is a good thing. So, you know, I mean, Jason, I will be checking in with you forever. uh, Basically, we're going to be, we're going to be wanting to know your macro numbers. So how much protein, how many grams of protein you get in, how many ounces of water, you got your vitamins in, right? We got to go through that checklist, but you know, you just, we we say it all the time here. You, you can't change what you don't track, right? You can't acknowledge what you don't track. So even though tracking is a pain in the ass, it's a great, and especially now, if you're only tracking three things, your water, your protein, and your vitamins, that's a great place to start. Those are your three most important items. And at least I always, I found that as soon as I really started tracking it, I could get more creative with how I would get protein in because it was always in my mind, right? It was like, well, I know I've only had 20 grams today. I need to get in more where and how can I, can I get that in? So if you're not tracking, I would encourage you to to write it down. Did they give you a tracker uh, when you came out of surgery? They gave me a water tracker. Mm, not a protein one? No, I just kind of like eyeball it because I know like how much this one is. So like, yep. if I could drink this whole thing and then like fill it up halfway and get like that much, like I know like I got a good amount in and then whatever else I'm drinking throughout the day. It's like, yep. So yep. Just, I'm kind of eyeballing at the stage because it's like, why am I going to sit here and track my my one cup of broth? I know Have you- like, like, but I know like next, uh, well, Wednesday, I know I'm like, I'm going to put all my, um, like I'm going to, I plan to do like ricotta bake and something else. Oh, yeah. So I plan to like make the recipe in and like put it in and like track it in and do all that fancy stuff. Yep. What, what are you using an app for that? What, what are you going to track in? I'm going to try Berry Berrytastic, I think. Yeah. Yep. That's I, one Jason uses. Yeah. I've always used my fitness pal. Um, but I'm already using the Bearcastic for like my weight, like tracker and stuff like that. So I'm just going to end up using that. Like- yeah, the Bearcastic one's good because not only does it keep track of your weight and you can track your, you know, a lot of different things with it. You can also keep track of your BMI that way so that when you finally, you know, go switch the levels, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Because I, I keep, I keep watch on the weight and, and, kind of how the BMI thing's going because watching that switch was the highlight for me after a certain point of time you can lose so much you see the scale moving and you see you know your measurements on the that you took before and after surgery you see the the measuring tape going down and those things are cool but eventually that gets I don't want to say boring but you get used to those wins and those kind of you know those those little victories but looking at the, actually seeing the BMI chart go down, that's, that's a whole nother level. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's what I liked about it too. Is like you can you can track all these different things. Um, like I put my measurements on. Um, I liked watching my BMI go down because they before surgery they wanted my BMI to go down. So I would check like every time I weighed in, like ooh, went down. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a really great way to to stay motivated or just to and and to celebrate the progress that you've made. Yeah. yeah perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we did it. Becca, is there anything that we missed about your post-op experience? Is there anything you want to share? Any, yeah, anything that, that, that we left hanging out? Um, I think we left out a little bit about um, my preparation for like physically and emotionally. Um, we left out some of like the physical things that I thought were kind of important. Um, oh yeah. Um, I ended up moving all of my like personal like you know, like my protein shakes, my protein bars and like all that stuff into a separate cabinet um, away from like other food in the house. So like I wasn't tempted, like, I didn't look at it and stuff like that. Um, and I thought like that was really huge for me to do. I did that um, way before I was even on my um, pre-op diet. Um, oh, I that's was- really smart. So you, you just like, you got in the zone. So you knew you were having surgery and even before you had like dates or all that kind of stuff, you Oh, wow. That's awesome. So you just made us, you made a special place for yourself in your home. And that was where all your stuff went. And when you needed something, that was where you went to yeah. avoid the, Oh, okay. I also did it because I know like if I put my protein bars out, someone else would be eating them. So hmm. smart. We can afford that. <laughs> yeah. um, true that. My, so my, like I talked about it before, but my surgeon put me on appetite suppressors. So when he did that, he was like, look, like the only way you're going to lose weight on these appetite suppressors is if you watch what you eat. So I began to like watch what I ate with like right when I got my appetite suppressor. So it was probably May, um, after I had gotten them. Um, and then I watched my drinking like during meals. Like I stopped drinking during meals. I didn't pour myself something to drink during meals. Um, I tried watching it before and after. Um, and I definitely like, I, the biggest part was like backing away from coffee. I knew that I couldn't have it like, well, caffeinated coffee right now. Like I couldn't have it on the liquid diet or immediately post-op. So I knew like if I back away from it now and the amount of sugar that I used to put in it and stuff like that, if I backed away from it early on, it would be done and over with early. So those are like huge physical things that I did. Um, like pre-op that really helped me prepare. And that, I mean, uh, I don't know if I, well, I didn't, I I did not have a liquid diet requirement. I think I had, I think it was like two days before surgery, really, that was it. But I ate whatever the hell I wanted to eat all the way up until surgery. And I don't know if I really could have done that liquid diet. I mean, that would have been really, really painful for me. That would have been damn near impossible. So the fact that you were able to do those things is pretty amazing. What, what do you think, what, what, what was it about, you know, did, did you do something to, to help you achieve that goal? Or was it just something that you just said, like, nope, this is what I'm doing there. I'm not deviating from this. Um, my surgeon told me like, it wasn't an option. Like he just kind of said, like, you need to do this and it's gotta be four weeks. And like, that's kind of it. Um, and I, I kind of like resented him for a little bit. I was like, why the fuck do I need to do four weeks? I was like, that's crazy. And he tried to explain it to me, like the fact that like I was bigger and I wasn't at his BMI goal for me to have surgery. So that's why he put me on it longer. And it was just really frustrating during that time. But like, I, 
I don't know. I just kind of like was like, well, this is what I have to do. I have to do this. I have to do it for surgery. I already worked up this far to get to surgery. So I knew like four weeks wasn't going to kill me. And I do honestly feel like it prepared me a lot for like after surgery. Uh, yeah, I think it totally, well, I mean, if, if you've already weaned yourself off of like coffee and if, if you've already gotten used to not drinking while you're eating, yeah, those are two huge things that happen instantaneously when you wake up from surgery. So the fact that you've already been practicing those, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. It, it definitely makes a huge difference when you do all the pre-work ahead of time put yourself in a, in a much better position to, to get through it that way. And, you know, much like Becca's doctor, my doctor said the same thing. It just wasn't, a, it's not an option because your liver, you've got fatty liver. And if you don't want me to cut it while I'm in there doing other things, because that's going to lead to bigger problems, then you're going to stick on this liquid diet and we're going to do it. And then you'll get through surgery just fine. But, you know, if you don't, we're going to have complications and there'll be problems. So, Ahead of time, like, you know, like Becca, I quit Mountain, I, I used to drink Mountain Dew by the gallon, and I finally, got, I cut that out about a year before surgery, then got to a point where I was, you know, right before the liquid diet, I had a little farewell to food tour, went and ate at all my favorite spots and ate like a freshly freed hostage, and then, until uh, I couldn't move anymore, and then was like, all right, let's do this, and it just kind of flowed right on into the liquid diet. Yeah, that's what I did, I totally, like, once I got my surgery date, I had like two weeks until I had to start my liquid diet. And I was like, all right, we're going here. 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 We need this. I want this. You need to make this. It was, just I, like had, I had three days and I was, and I second guessed rescheduling my surgery because it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was enough time. I was like, I was like, wait, I got to start a liquid diet. When? And then he was like, yeah, yeah, three days. And I'm like, eh started to be like can we just push the surgery day a little bit because you know daddy wants to get some food in like they were like no no it's gonna be this day if you want to do that's, it now. Like, oh, that, that's how that's how you know you have a problem right when you oh. have a life-saving procedure coming up and instead of thinking about your future you're like but i really but no red lobster red lobster. And, and and that's exactly why i decided right then i was like you're being a jackass and you're going to schedule this surgery otherwise you're going to eat yourself into a coma and then where will you so yeah i literally was just like that's dumb let's do this now because and that literally was what i was thinking to myself i was like okay junkie like let's schedule this <laughs> that's your thought process on this well yeah right yeah trying to we're trying to find a vein like scratching like you got any more put, cheeseburgers? Like, put, no, put the no, cheddar bay like, biscuit right in there. Just right in right, there. Like, like, get your big ass over there and sign that paper so before you do something even more dumb than you've already done to get you here in the first place. Oh, isn't it amazing? It just amazes me when I think back to how I used to think. And even, and not even you. I mean, it still creeps up now, right? So it's not like it's gone forever. But I'm just amazed at the power that food had over my decisions and, and over my actions before when it, it, I mean, it was absolutely powerless, but I gave it all the power in the world. And, you know, and Jason, you and I've talked about this before, you know, we, we kick ourselves sometimes for waiting so long. Like with Becca, we're so proud that you're doing it so young in your life. You, you oh, yeah. recognize it early. You're, you, you know, that, you know, the path that you were going down, but Jason, and I always say like, I mean, yeah, we wish we would have done it sooner, but I don't think I could have done it. I don't think I was in the place to do it. 
and, and I wouldn't have been successful. So, you know, it, it all happens at the time that's right for us for all of the different reasons. Uh, and, and, you know, just not looking back once you've had it done, like, cool, you made the decision, you overcame it, you got the tool. Now, now move forward, L live your life moving forward. Yeah, 100%. Wow. Okay, Becca, anything else? Anything we else else we missed about your, your post-op experience? Mm, no, I think we got it all. All right. And clearly you're, you're happy with your decision. You're happy with yeah. how it's turned out. Yeah, pretty glad. Pretty glad it's over. We can't put it back in, so. Uh... Yeah. I haven't even regretted it once so far, yeah. so far. So, but I don't, I think we're past that stage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I regretted it. I was very angry, but I, I think, I think it's just something that you say to feel better. I don't think even in the moment I really regretted it because I knew I, I had to do it. And I mean, just the further I go in my recovery, the more and more thankful I am that it even existed. Uh, and I'm just, you know, and I have to be thankful for myself. I didn't, I'm thankful that I didn't listen to all of the naysayers. I'm thankful that I listened to my friend. I'm thankful that I made those difficult decisions and that I fought through those emotions because it's a thousand percent worth it. A thousand percent worth it. You know, and I think, and if you're listening to this or you're watching this and you are not yet, if you haven't had your surgery yet, but you're, you're scheduled, uh, the woman who inspired me to have my, my weight loss surgery told me the most difficult time of the entire process is before surgery. And that has proven to be true, right? Because before surgery, you go through a thousand different scenarios. You, you work yourself into a tizzy. You, I mean, it's just awful. And then surgery happens and it's not, you know, pre or post-op is not fun. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. But very quickly you move out of the uncomfortable stages and you move into this, like just period of pure joy and thankfulness. And it really is true for me. The worst part of my entire experience was before surgery. It really was. And then after surgery, you go, yeah, it's just, yeah. Well, yeah, because you'll try to talk yourself out of it a thousand different ways. You'll yeah. try to bargain with yourself just like you do with food. Yep. You'll try all the tricks, you know, that, that try, you know, to try to talk yourself out of it. You just have to push through that and know that on the other side awaits a much better life than what you were living before. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So a question for all three of us now. So looking forward to this week, uh, what are we going to be focusing on that's related to our weight loss surgery experience? Protein. Protein. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Jason, I'm what are you going, focusing on? I'm going to continue to build on now that I've put myself back in a position to be back on track. I'm going to continue to focus on that. And we're going to try to say goodbye to the 320s forever. Get back down to the, the, the teens. Boom! Trying to, trying, to, trying to really get to I, my, my soft goal that I have set for myself is I want to try to be under 300 pounds by the time I hit my year surgery mark, which is about 21 pounds and if i'm about to hit the eight month mark i still got some months to go so i mean i got time yep you got time you got three three months you three got months I, 20 pounds I, I really wanted to be at my goal of 250 of 250 pounds which would be the full um 
218 pounds I lost or whatever mm. from my heaviest to the goal. But I, I'm not, I don't think that's too realistic given the fact of the way it's slowed down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I, but so now I'm just really trying to make sure that I'm under the 300 mark. If I can get to two in around the 290 somewhere um, by my year mark, I'll, I'll be happy. I, I, I empathize with you. I too am, am not to my goal. I really wanted to be under in Wonderland. I wanted to be 199 near under by, by my one year and I'm not there yet, but um, I was nine pounds and now I'm well, 13 or 12 pounds. Uh, so me too. I'm, I'm refocusing on kind of that, that, that bigger overarching softer goal. And I'm just really working on tracking and portions um, and then being active, right? Getting, getting in more of movement. So riding my Peloton, taking stealth for walks, just, yeah, do, doing more with, with this body. That, that's what I'm focusing on this week. Awesome. Okay. So next week, looking ahead, even to the podcast, uh, Jason and I are going to dive into knowing and owning our why. So why is it important that we keep that front and center? How can we use that as another tool in our bariatric toolbox to help us uh, be successful, to find success after weight loss surgery? So we're very excited to talk about that. There's lots of stuff that, that kind of goes, goes along um, with that. So that'll be uh, episode three. Uh, and then this week, we would really love your help. This weight loss surgery community, we, we, we're looking for your feedback and for your input. Uh, so in the East to West Instagram stories, we're going to be posting polls. That was actually Becca's idea. Thank you, Becca. Uh, we just have some, some questions that we want to ask. We, we really want to start going live more often, and we want to find a date and a time that works really well for this community. So we're looking for feedback on that. We're looking for feedback on content ideas. Uh, and on some events that maybe we're thinking about doing in the future. So please do watch those stories and participate in the polls because that will be a huge help to us uh, figuring out how we can best support this community moving forward. So that'll be happening um, all this week. So I think that's it. I think we did it. I think so. Man, we, we always have a knack of, well, we have a very great talking plan and then that talking and then it just turns into this really robust conversation. So I appreciate everybody just donating their time and, and being truthful and honest about our experiences. We all know that the, the more truthful that we can be, the, the, the more connections we can make in this community. So I appreciate you guys being really candid about stuff. I know it's not easy talking about, but it's, it, it's worth talking about so thank you you guys for the conversation thank you to this community for listening we always enjoy uh talking with with people in our community i mean becca i mean we just met randomly like all three of us right we were never friends before weight loss surgery and now we're friends and we really rely on each other for for the support that we need to to make it through so um and we and it just came with listening and having these honest conversations so we thank the community for listening and tuning in and just, to, just so everybody knows, we, report, we record this podcast in Zoom. So if you would like to watch us, you can go to our YouTube channel. You can just uh, search East to West underscore WLS on YouTube and East to West will pop up. There's also links to the, the, the YouTube. There's links to Anchor where our podcast is hosted in our Instagram uh, bio. So if you go to our page on Instagram and then you click the link tree link, it's going to 
give you access to all of the all the stuff where, where all of our information is on. So please do follow, like, subscribe, review. We would love reviews. Uh, we'd love to know what you think about it. And then of course you can share the content on all of the posts and feeds and platforms and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, the other thing too that we are always looking for, if you would like to join us on the podcast, please send us a direct message on Instagram, uh, or now you can send us a message on our website. Super exciting. Uh, so lots of different ways to, to get a hold of us. And then we also do shout out Sunday. So every Sunday, we just literally shout out the success and the progress of somebody from the community. It's not like paid or anything like that. We literally just want to celebrate you and your accomplishments. So if you would like to be featured on a shout out Sunday, same thing, send us a direct message on Instagram or send us a me uh, message on the website. And of course, the website is live. Please do check it out and let us know what you think. Uh, and if you would like to see certain content on the website, if you're looking for information, definitely let us know so that we can, uh, we can uh, get it up there for you. So yeah, so lots of things going on this week, but uh, as always, that's that that's just how we roll. That's how we roll at East to West. There's always something, always something in the works, always something brewing. Uh, but please do know that the only reason that we do this is for you. Uh, we are here to support the community. Uh, Jason and I felt there was a hole, and we we wanted to fill it. So thank you, thank you for just being a part of this. And really, the community is the is the best part of of what we do. So. Thank you to everybody who listens and watches and, and, and is an active member of the community. Becca, yeah, anything support. else? You, oh, sorry, Jason. No, you're good. I was just gonna say the support we've received so far has been overwhelming. We definitely appreciate it. We read the messages, the reviews that we get, um, you know, constantly monitor all the feedback that we're getting and the, and the views and things on the, on the podcast side of things, the analytics that we get. So we just appreciate, you know, what you guys have done so far can keep continuing to do it. We'll keep doing what we do to, to help support as best we can. Just remember that uh, you guys have got this and we've got you. So. I love it. Becca, anything for the good of the order? Uh, no, I'm good, but thank you guys again for having me. Dude, we, we love talking with you. You, you know, well, you're our, you're our daughter. I mean, you know, we're family at this point. So. That's it. That's it. <laughs> awesome all right you guys well thank you so very much for a wonderful conversation and we'll see you next week yes ma'am bye bye guys bye.